Hey everybody and welcome back to Steve's NRL Footy Tips for Round 4. I'm your host, Stephen Westway, recording this on a Wednesday morning. My apologies to anyone that was waiting yesterday afternoon for the latest episode to drop, but it was bound to happen at one point this season. It's been a very busy week for me, but I'm very excited to talk with all of you guys about all the latest in the world of rugby league. I want to thank Jake Barracosa and Matt Cosaru for being my guests on last week's edition of the show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, both Cos and Barra will return in the future of Steve's NRL Footy Tips. And both of them got four out of eight tips correct. And, you know, that's why they don't host an NRL Footy Tipping show. I end up with six out of eight, and I thought I was on track for a perfect round. But a couple of, uh, couple of upsets kind of put me out of it. I mean, Parramatta. Defeating Melbourne, uh, 28-24 in golden point. I, I tipped Melbourne in that game. And the Cowboys dismantling the Broncos, 38-12. I tipped the Brisbane Broncos in that game. So a few upsets. But uh, I'm excited to talk rugby league with all you guys today, as I mentioned. And wasn't there some great performances last weekend? I mean, Parramatta, as I just mentioned, it was a... They just kept turning up for each other defensively. And it looked at one point that they'd blown the game uh, due to a late Ryan Pappenhouse and try. And then uh, Melbourne were in position to steal the game and it didn't go their way. Brandon Smith from dummy half, uh, you know, fake pass to the Hughes. And then the Eels forwards had enough time to race up on Pappenhouse and then stop the field goal attempt. And then, you know, the unlikely hero of Ray Stone, I mean... He is a player, and sometimes he gets it wrong, and sometimes he's careless, and uh, you know he can give away some easy penalties and some easy meters. But he's a guy that never stops working. He's going to be a good signing for the Dolphins in twenty twenty three, and he comes up with a heroic play when the field goal attempt bounces off the post. He catches it, and um, you know ends up scoring against Ryan Pabberhouse, and he did his ACL in the process. So sorry to hear about that, uh, Ray, and you know all the best. With your recovery, but the Eels very impressive against Melbourne on Saturday night. Also, I want to touch on the Cowboys. One of the best performances I've seen in 2022, and this has come from a guy that tipped the Cowboys to get the wooden spoon this year. Some of the young guys, Luki, Nenai, Tamalolo, Tom Dearden in the halves, they all had such big games, and it's good to see Tamalolo play some good football, and really the whole team's kind of getting behind um, this youth kind of experiment they have going on where they, you know, bringing up some of these young guys and giving them a taste of the NRL. And I thought that Valentine Holmes in the center was outstanding, targeting up against one of the, you know, the most damaging strike setters in the competition in Tony Staggs. He did a great job marking up on him and he really led the platform over 200 meters. It was a great performance for Valentine Holmes. See how Sydney Rabbitohs, the upset that I predicted last week, a very improved performance against the Sydney Roosters, who, again, they were poor, but the Rabbitohs didn't let them play good. I mean, Kian Murray was inspirational from the front of the pack. We saw um, Jai Arrow, Kalama Tungi, and Damien Cook all step up as well. Cookie in his 150th 50th game uh, had a performance to remember. So some good performances. We're going to get into the action for round four momentarily, but before we do, I just want to go through my team of the week for round three and... Um, you know, it was a tough a tough team to assemble this week because there's a lot of standout performers. At fullback, I did put Tom Trojevic. I uh, mainly got lucky with a tight win over the Bulldogs on Sunday night to open their accounts for 2022. I thought he was really good and started to get back to playing some of his best football. He was threatening every time he got the ball. Bulldogs did a good job aiming up on him, but, um, you know, you can't do too good of a job on Tommy. He'll find a way to break through majority of the time. 
The wingers I've gone Holmes, as I mentioned, was the outstanding in the centres on Sunday afternoon. I've shifted from yet to the wing on my team of the week, and I've gone Taylor May, who, you know, there's a lot of wraps around him. Um, he's only a young kid there, Penrith, and he really delivered in his first game, three tries. It was a debut to remember. Um, in the centres, I've gone Sifa Talakai. He shifted out there with the Sharks, dominant victory over the Dragons on Thursday night, and Isaac Targo, another great performance, two tries, two try assists. For Targo, those young kids at Penrith are really stepping up. In the halves, Dylan Brown really impressed me from Parramatta. I've got him as my 5'8". I mean, he's come a long way in the past year as a first grader. I mean, he's been accused by myself and others of being very inconsistent in the past and kind of floating in and out of matches. But it looks like 2022, he's playing a lot of more consistent brand of football and really helping out Mitchell Moses. He had two try assists on the weekend, and he's my 5'8". Nico Hines... The halfback um, of my team of the week, he was outstanding for Cronulla in their win against the Dragons. Easily the best player in the field. I was there live for that game, and he just dominated. And, you know, the Dragons couldn't shut him down anytime he had the football all night, really. It was a fantastic performance by Hines. And if he continues this form, we could potentially see Nico Hines fighting for the uh, number 14 utility position there for New South Wales. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Ryan Papenhausen's obviously in contention as well and probably has the inside running. But Heinz's form has been unbelievable to start 2022. In the forwards, I've got Reed and Campbell Gillard. Solid lead from the front, 190 metres there for Parramatta. And Jai Arrow uh, for the Rabbitohs shifted me out to the front row because he pretty much can play anywhere in the field. And again, a lot of metres, a lot of tackles. It was a good performance by Jai and probably his best performance since he became a Rabbitoh, to be honest. Um, in the hooker position, I went Blake Braley. 47 tackles, I believe it was. 100 metres, a try assist. He has been one of the most, Sharks' most consistent players for a few years, and it's good to see him starting to get some, um, you know, respect and some some well earned uh, praise for his performances recently. In the second row, Jer- Jeremiah Nenai from the Cowboys. I mean, it was a dream game day for him. Free tries, his first hat trick in his career, and you know he just was running holes all day there against the Broncos. Isaiah Papalihi is the other second role that I've got from Parramatta. A really good performance by him as well in that, you know, nail-biting win that Parramatta had. And Cam Murray uh, is my lock of the week and he's my performer of the week. I mean, he scored the first try. He set up another one. He was inspirational all night. 40-plus tackles, over 130 metres. It was a great night for Cam Murray. And it was a really ca- real captain's knock, which really inspired the Rabbitohs to defeat their arch-rivals in, you know dominating fa- uh, fashion for the fourth time in a row. So, a big performance by Cam Murray. My bench this week is Brad Snyder from the Raiders, Damien Cook from the Rabbitohs, Tom Deedon from the Cowboys, and Nathan Brown from Parramatta. So, um, as I said, a lot of good performance performers, some that did not make the team of the week, but, you know, it was a very good weekend of football. I'm really enjoying the quality of footy that we're seeing in 2022, and, you know, it's going to continue in round four. We've got some big games, the green final rematch, the Rabbitohs versus the Penrith Panthers. It's going to be a huge game. We've got Canberra versus Manly and two old rivals, the Parramatta Eels and the St. George Dragons, Dragons going to go at it to end the week as well. So um, a lot of big games of footy coming your way this weekend. Before we get to it, please like Steve's NRL Footy Tips on Facebook. Subscribe wherever you guys listen to your favorite podcast, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or Google Podcasts. Um, I'm really enjoying um, the show this year. I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to it. So please continue to support it. And, you know, as I mentioned, a big thanks yet again to Barra and Coz for coming on the show next week. We're going to have Josh Duncan on the show next week. And I think Matt Coulter will be rejoining the show in a week or two as well, most likely next week to preview 
the Rabbitohs versus Dragons game where, you know, he's a diehard Dragons porter and it wasn't the performance to remember last Thursday night. But uh, we're going to get into round four's footy tips now. After that, I'm going to have my best bets and, of course, my Supercoach buys of the week. So stay tuned for the full podcast, but the action will kick off for round four on Thursday night. And all the action of round four starts up there at the Gold Coast on Thursday night at Seabus Super Stadium when the Gold Coast Titans host the West Tigers. The Titans won from free to open their accounts in 2022. They were leading 22-0 against the Canberra Raiders last Saturday night before the Raiders scored in the stroke of halftime and then mounted a huge comeback to win that game. It was one of the biggest comebacks in NRL history, the Raiders' biggest comeback of all time. The Titans were awful defensively in the second half. They looked like they clocked off. Before the Raiders got on the board, we're thinking, well, the Titans, by how many? They're winning 22-0. They're controlling this game pretty easily. And, you know, it's a really, really solid performance. But then it went all went wrong quickly for them. And they're going to be very disappointed with the result last week. They're versing a West Tigers team, which is the only team in the NRL not to register a win at this point of the season. They were close last week again against the Warriors. Um, you know, they're losing by four points with 12 minutes to go where the Warriors got a man sin-binned and they had so many opportunities to close the game out, the Tigers, and get their first win of the year. But instead of exposing uh, the center where that player was missing, they just went up through the middle. They didn't go for that left-hand side. And really, at certain points, they went over to the right-hand side of the field where, you know, the Tigers had stacked players. And it was just that game management that they were really lacking. And it was a real chance for Luke Brooks to step up and say, well, you know, I've been under pressure, but when the game's on the line, I'm going to, you know, ice it and, and prove that I've still got a future at this club, but um, it's not all on Brooks. Obviously, he didn't do that, but the, the Tigers forward still haven't been good enough, and the Warriors, you know, despite the fact that they were limited to 12 men, they they hung on and they, and they fought, and they got the two points. So the Tigers are going to have to be a lot better. The Titans, are both, both these teams are going to be a lot better this week, and you know, Jackson Hastings still out for another two weeks for the Tigers. I thought Jock Madden did a good job stepping into the uh, halves with Brooks last week. I think I think he was actually the Tigers' best player on the field. And, you know, it's a real opportunity for him this week because the Titans have, without a doubt, one of the most strike and attack in, out of any team in this whole competition. But when they clock off, and we saw it last week, they clock off huge in defense. I mean, if you look at their first three games this year, the Titans, they've let in 32 points. They've let in, well, last week they let in 26, I believe it was, and the week before, um, uh, 24 points they let in last week, and the week before that they let in 18. So their defense is a worry. Holbrook, you know, as I mentioned, I've said it multiple times on this podcast, he's such a defensive-orientated coach um, that he's going to be really disappointed with how they've started defensively. And for me, Gold Coast just seem like a very immature football team at the moment. I think that they're going to be around that 7th to 10th area at the end of the season. But whether they can break into the top eight is really going to be dictated by how they are, um, you know, defensively near the end of the season, how they mature as a team. They've only got a very young, inexperienced spine. And uh, speaking of which, Campbell's out with COVID this week, I believe it is. Uh, So Jermaine Asako's going to play his first game for the Titans at fullback. Sexton and Brimson, as I mentioned, they haven't played too many games together in the half. And Aaron Clark is... uh, is a pretty young player in his own right. So those guys, and especially some of these forward pack, I mean, we know what the likes of Furbar and Fafita and Big Tino can all do, but defensively, uh, there just seems to be way too much space on both the edges and up through the middle of the Gold Coast Titans. And, you know, it's a real worry sign because when they verse 
the good teams. They're not going to be able to get a sh- in a shootout every week and, and outscore their opposition. So it has to be an improvement. It has to be a quick improvement for Gold Coast, or it could be a long season for them in terms of, of leaking points. And, you know, as I mentioned, they, they've got such an exciting team, but it's something they need to work on and work on fast. The Tigers, give them credit where credit's due. It was a horrible performance in round two. They really looked like they were in the game for a long period of time last week, and they looked like they had a go and were trying their best to win their game. But at the end of the day, their roster's poor. Um, they're really lacking some leaders out there. I mean, who's running the team? Because Luke Brooks doesn't seem like he's doing it. And, you know, Hastings, when he comes back on the team, he will improve it. But overall, they need a forward leader. Tarbo's not playing enough minutes for me to be that forward leader. And I just feel like they're so down on confidence that... They're not going to be able to ice many games this season, but this might be a game that they are able to because the Titans, they might get to a 30 nil lead early in this game. Um, you know, that just shows you the mentality of both these teams. But if the Titans start poorly and the Tigers are up for this game, which I think they will be, I think that it could be an upset brewing. And, you know, we both, we all know the Titans can score points quickly, but for me, the Tigers need this win more. I think they want this win more. And I think they're going to get it. I mean, they're $3.50, I believe, on all your major betting markets. And I'm not saying go put, you know, your life savings on the on the West Tigers. But I feel if they're going to win a game in the next five to ten weeks, then this is a perfect opportunity on a Thursday night against a Titans team that have been leaking a lot of points to register their first win of the year. And I'm actually going to go the Tigers in the upset. I've got the Tigers in this game by six points. And I think that... It's going to really be a relief for the whole club to see them get their first win if they can get it on Thursday night. And don't worry, I think that Madge, Michael Maguire, is going to have his team up and ready to go against the Titans team that I'm really not convinced about. They need to do more to convince me that they can be finals contenders in 2022 because at the moment, I'm just not seeing enough from the Gold Coast Titans. I mean, a two-point victory against the New Zealand Warriors isn't convincing me that they're going to be a threat uh, come the late stages of this competition this season. This Friday night shapes up to be two absolute blockbuster matches. And I think if the broadcasters had their time over again and could see how all the teams were going to start the season, I don't think they'd have this game opening the night at 6 p.m. I think they'd have it on a Saturday or a Sunday night. It's the Cronulla Sharks versus the Newcastle Knights. And for me, these two teams have really impressed me to start 2022. They've been two of the most impressive teams Um we haven't talked about the Mitch Barnett controversy for Newcastle. Obviously, when they went down to Penrith, uh, I believe it was 38-20. to 20. Penrith scored a couple of late tries to really inflate that score. But obviously, the, the Knights were reduced to 12 men for 45 minutes, the last 45 minutes of the game. And, you know, they fought valiantly. They were actually, you know, really in the game to their eyeballs at that point when Barnett got sent off. And... They fought heroically, but couldn't get it done against Penrith. And, you know, it was a dog shot. It was a, uh, a very late hit. And, you know, I don't know if Barnett's intentions... He he claimed in his defense when he got six weeks last night that he his intention was just to try to get past the player, and he's put his arm up um, to try to get past him. I think that it was a little bit more intentional than that, personally. But, you know, I don't know if there was too much malicious intent in it, but I thought that Barnett knew what he was doing and knew where his elbow was going to be in relation to uh to Chris Smith's head there on Saturday afternoon so he's gonna have a a sit down for six weeks and uh you know he's gonna have to really think about how he plays his football because this isn't the first time that Barnett's been in suspension trouble and it and it probably won't be the last but he's got to really um reel in a little bit and make sure that he's not costing his team matches because debatably uh the Knights could have 
potentially have knocked off Penrith on Saturday night, that uh, Saturday afternoon. They were very impressive in that game, uh, in that first half in particular. So, you know, they're going up against the Cronulla team. I was there last Thursday night at Wynn Stadium, and I saw them dismantle a, a poor Dragons team. But really, the the Sharks, they're an exciting team to watch this year. Nico Hines is playing out of this world. I mean, he... Um, I, was, I was cautious about the Haas combination between him and Matt Moylan. I still am not entirely convinced about how they work as a Haas combination. But Nico Hines has taken it on himself to improve tenfold as a player this season. Um, you know, he's really adjusting to what it is like to be a half. And I think that his kicking game has grown tremendously, even in this past three weeks, that he's playing with such a confidence that we haven't seen from many people uh, for a long time. I mean... Other than the likes of Teddy and Tommy, I don't know if we've seen this sort of confidence from a player in a few seasons. And I mean, on the back of Finucane, Blake Braley's playing good football. The Ford Pack's really stepping up and really laying a platform. So guys like Will Kennedy and Nico Hines can really step up and deliver in the big moment. So I think this is going to be a huge game. Newcastle, as I said, they, they lost last week. They went down. But after two very impressive wins against the Tigers and the Roosters, um... I thought that they this was a chance for Penrith last weekend to really assert their dominance as uh, you know the best team in the competition. But the Knights held their own for for massive periods of that game, and if it was thirteen on thirteen, who knows what the score would have been? So I'm really interested in the battle this week of the forward packs. I mean, obviously Newcastle are going to have Barnett there, but they welcome back Daniel Saifidi, uh, Frizzell, and and Lachlan Fitzgibbon are going to be, you know. Actually, Lachlan Fitzgibbon's still out. So, Frizzell and, and, and Saifidi and, and Brody Jones, they're going to be up against the likes of Teague Wilden, who's back this week, Nakora and Fanukan and Rudolph, who have really been leading this forward pack. Um, it's going to be a good battle up front. And, you know, also an interesting battle in the halves. I mean, for the talk about Hines, Clifford and Clune have been doing an outstanding job there for Newcastle. They're playing with confidence that we haven't seen um, a Newcastle team play with for a long period of time, and Pong was back in the team this week at fullback. So I think it's going to be a blockbuster battle to start Friday night. I think that this game is really going to be dictated by who can um, who can make the most out of that forward battle and who can gain the most yardage early in the game. And I think if Cronulla can get a roll on quickly, they can go out to a big lead. Likewise for Newcastle. But I think at the end of this day, this end of the game day, this battle comes down to defence. And I think that what I've seen from Cronulla so far this year, and especially last week. They were relentless defensively. I mean, they went up and didn't give the Dragons time to really do anything that they wanted to do. And it was relentless for 80 minutes. And, you know, the Dragons did score some points. But, you know, they near the end of the game, they had a 13 on 11 opportunity. And, you know, the Dragons couldn't ice it, couldn't score a try, which is, you know, just shows you how much of a poor place they are in at the moment. But Cronulla's defense held firm. And I think that Cronulla's defense is going to get an, Get them over the line against the Newcastle team. That's as I mentioned, they're still running full of confidence. The Haas are playing well. It's going to be interesting to see what contribution Ponga has in relation to this game. But I just think that Cronulla, at the moment, they're going to make oppositions work for every point they score. And I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game. But I've got Cronulla by four. The grand final rematch takes place in the second game of Friday Night Football. And the action all kicks off at 8:05 p.m. up there at Bluebet Stadium at Penrith. When the Premiers welcome back the Clive Churchill medalist, Nathan Cleary, he will take his place in the Haas for the first time of the season. Sean O'Sullivan did a really good job, but he's out of the 17. Cleary is back, and they're back to verse their old arch rivals, the South Sydney Rabbitohs, who 
Obviously lost the 2021 Grand Final 14-12 in controversial circumstances. This is the rematch. And both of these teams have had, you know, different starts to 2022. The Panthers, they're undefeated, free from free, looking really good. And, you know, it hasn't been fantastic performances by them against the Dragons and the Knights in the last two weeks. But they've gotten the job done and they've got it done pretty comfortably at the end of the day. They're versing a South Sydney Rabbitohs side that... You know, they're one from three, but got a big victory last weekend against their arch rivals, the Sydney Roosters. It was a dominant performance. Cam Murray really led by example with a true captain's knock, scored the first try, set a couple others up, and, you know, looked damaging all night. Latrell Mitchell and Cody Walker played their best games of the season, and Jai Arrow, Kaloa Matangi, some of these other forwards really stepped up, laid a platform, and the Roosters just couldn't get into the game uh, on the back of it. So... You know, it's good to see them getting some form and some confidence, the Rabbitohs, heading into these huge games, which you know they're going to bring their best out of again. Um, they did it last week against their arch rivals, but they might even be more motivated in this green final rematch when when you look at that green final last year, you think, well, maybe South Sydney didn't necessarily get outplayed. Obviously, the better team won on the day, but the difference was an intercept try thrown by Cody Walker, and let's be honest, his confidence since that game has been affected. I mean, he's... Still throwing those passes. Yeah, but Kelly picked one off to score the first try in round one there. So, you know, will he step up in this big game on Friday night, Walker? It's going to be interesting because it's going to be a big battle there between Walker and Cleary, who's going to be able to control their team better. It was good to see Ilias, you know, play a little bit more of a game management role last Friday night against the Roosters. Um, but, you know, Cleary is the number one game manager in the competition. He's got Jerome Lua on the... Uh, running off him and, and, and making opportunities happen, especially on that left-hand side of the field. So it's going to be a big battle between the halves. The forward pack is going to be bolstered Penrith by the return of Liam Marden and Fisher-Harris, who I believe Marden has been named in the 17. I know. No, he hasn't. Him and both of them, Marden and Fisher-Harris, are both on the reserves, but I expect them to come in throughout the week. Blake Taff has been named as 18th man for CR Sydney. He could potentially play his first game of the season. I expect him to probably come back on the bench as well for CF Sydney. So, you know, both teams pretty much close, if not full strength, um, in this big blockbuster game on Friday night. The difference for me is going to be um, experience, and I think that Penrith, at the moment, um, you know, they're not quite as good as they have been in the last two years in terms of uh, players being fit, but the guys, I mean, they've still got, like, Toe out. If Fisher, Harris, and Martin don't play, that's a big blow, but... In terms of leaders, they've got plenty. Nathan Cleary, Isaiah Yo. Um, it's going to be a real test for South Sydney, and this game is going to show where the Rabbitohs are in relation to their 2022 season and see how much they really have lost from the you know the Wayne Bennett coach, South Sydney, to Rabbit- uh, Rabbitohs of 2021. And you know it's it's a good opportunity for South because they get this out early out of the way early in the season, this grand final rematch, and if they win, well, they're just flying with confidence. But if they do lose this game. They've got plenty of time to, to fix the issues and get back to being a premiership threat in 2022. And for Penrith, they're versing probably their toughest opponent of the year so far. I mean, Manly weren't really up for the challenge back there in round one. So really, it's it's a big game for both teams. I mean, Penrith, Blue Bet Stadium, it's such a hard place to win at for opposition. Penrith's fans really get out there in numbers and it really has become a fortress over the past few years. And I believe the last time... See how played there. I don't even. I think it was finals week one. No, actually no, it wasn't. That was up in Suncorp, wasn't it? I don't think CS played there last year because I think Penrith's game was at Dubbo. So 
um, unless it was round 23. Actually, I think it was round 23, but regardless, Seahawks don't have a good history at Blue Bet, so it's going to be a big game um, come Friday night, and I think that, you know, Seahawks are going to learn some lessons from it. I think Penrith is going to be too experienced, too strong there, and um, for being as a South Sydney fan, all I want to see in this game is that if Seahawks lose, it's not to an intercept try, because Penrith were the better team. So that's just throwing a little bit of shade at all those Penrith fans listening that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you guys got the premiership, but don't fool yourselves in thinking that, you know, it was a one-sided performance in the grand final. It was two-point victory. Seahawks kind of got the the wrong end of some crucial moments in that game, and that intercept, you know, probably being the most crucial of all of them. And, uh, you know, I'm just excited for the game. I think both teams are going to play their absolute best brand of football. I don't think it's going to be a flogging either way, but I think Penrith, at the end of the day, are going to be too good. I've got Penrith by eight points, and I think that it, honestly, a loss to the Premiers and, and a close loss to the Premiers could do wonders for Seattle to really, you know, kickstart their season, considering if they lose this week, they'll be one win three losses to start their year and I think that um, it's going to be a real important game either way for CR Sydney on Friday night as for Penrith they know that every team that they go against this season are going to be bringing their best football and you know CR Sydney have lost some strike over the, the past six months but they're still going to be bringing their best come Friday night so it's going to be a big battle and if there's one opportunity one exploit that CR Sydney can really expose it's the uh, weakness in Penrith. It's those outside backs. I mean, Charlie Staines, Targo, Taylor May, and May and Targo have been playing really good football there, But and especially last week in Taylor May's debut, three tries, Targo, two tries, two try assists, but they lack experience. So if I'm Ilias and I'm Walker, I'm really targeting those sides. I'm, I'm shaping up Walker and uh, Latrell on both sides of the field, and I'm really putting the pressure on those outside backs for Penrith, but... For Penrith to win, as I said, they're just going to be playing their best football and, um, you know, keep doing what they've been doing for the last three years. And I think they've got a bit too much strife for CS. I mentioned it before, but I got Penrith by eight points in this one. All right, it's time for my favourite time of the week now. Super Saturday in the action will kick off at 3 p.m. at Morton Daly Stadium up there in Queensland when the New Zealand Warriors host the Brisbane Broncos. The Warriors finally got a win on the board last week, but... It wasn't an easy win against the West Tigers. They were down to 12 men with 12 minutes left in that contest. They hung on. They fought. They got the two points. It wasn't a pretty win. I don't know if we'll see a worst, a worse performance by a winning team this season. But they got a jo- the job done and hopefully took some much-needed confidence out of that game. Sean Johnson this week has been named in the 24 jersey as he appears, uh, appears to make his return from injury. But really, it's it's a similar Warriors team uh, running out this week that we've seen so far this season. And they're versing a Broncos team that were very poor on Sunday night against the, the Cowboys, who you know just ran rampant against them. It was one-way traffic. Uh, the Broncos were in the game early, but the Cowboys just wanted it more. They just ran with more intensity. Their forwards pack really stepped up and got over the top of the Broncos, which is a worry considering the Broncos really pride themselves on their forwards and. You know, it was just domination there by the Cowboys last week, and the Broncos had no answers when they started to get behind in the contest. Uh, Reynolds and Kelly really couldn't have an impact on the game because they didn't have the football long enough. And, you know, those forward packs, as I mentioned, Haas, Carrigan, they work hard every week, those two players. But the rest of the Broncos forward pack really need to step up. And, um, you know, we saw a, a vulnerable Broncos team for the first time this season. So it'll be good to see... Well, it'll be interesting, at least, to see how they respond this weekend. They're versing a Warriors team. As I mentioned, they got some confidence last week. I still really doubt 
and and worry about who's running that football team. I don't know who's the leader there without Johnson. Is it Nick Arima's team? Is it Harris Tavita's team? Is it Reese Walsh's team? I'm not quite sure. And um, you know, the Warriors forward pack this season has been pretty underwhelming as well. With a forward pack that features guys like Fanua Blake, Lodge, and the always hardworking Curran, you would expect them to be getting over the opposition quickly, but for me, same situation as the Warriors have been in the past few seasons. Their forward pack gets fatigued early. Uh, their commitment is in their defense, and if an uh, opposition team is really, you know, um, on t- on song and, 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 and have shown up for the game, they can score a lot of points quickly against the Warriors. Obviously, the Tigers couldn't do it last week, but I just feel like they're in a bit of a rut, the Warriors. They need something to really spark their season, and the Broncos, it's going to be interesting how they how they respond after a poor performance. And I think Kev Wilders is really going to have his team up for the game this weekend. I expect them to bounce back. I think they will bounce back. And at the end of the day, I've got the Broncos in this game by 18 points. There's a bit of country rugby league feel about the 5.30 game of Super Saturday with the Manly Seagulls taking their game against the Canberra Raiders to Mudgee at Glenwillow Oval down there in regional New South Wales. And... You know, good to see Manly get on the winning board last weekend on Sunday night against the Canterbury Bulldogs. It wasn't an easy win. The Bulldogs probably deserved to win the game, but Manly got the two points at the end of the day thanks to, uh, on top of a good performance by Tommy Trojevic and a a good field goal there by Daly Cherry Evans ended up icing the game late. But they're versing a Raiders team that, man, 22-0 down last Saturday night and then they scored a point, uh, scored a try late in that first half and then it really started the comeback for them. They looked like a completely different team in the second half last weekend as they scored four consecutive tries to get over to the Titans 24-22. And, you know, they were direction, directionless. They didn't look like they knew what they were doing last Saturday night in the first half. And then, yeah, a spark just went off in their head. Ricky Stewart, whatever his halftime speech was, must have worked because they looked impressive in the second half. Timmy Coe out there in the centers was good. Rapana made a big difference. Their forward pack looked a lot better um, under Starling there in the second half. And Brad Snyder had his best game in the top grade so far. I think he's getting more confidence as he plays more game of football. So um, positive signs there from the Raiders' second half, but they need to start their games off better. And that's something that we can also say for Manly. They've been poor to start all their games so far this year. And the Bulldogs scored a try in the first minute last week. They started poorly against Penrith in round one. And they started really poorly as well against the Roosters who raced off to a big lead. So I think this game has two teams that are desperate for points. Obviously, Manly are more so desperate than the Raiders because they won two of their first three. But Canberra know that, you know, they're doing the opposite of last year. They... They know what it's like to lose games near the end of the matches, and at the moment, they're just not showing up in the first half, so they need to correct that. They need to course-correct that quickly. Um, For Manly, it's all about getting some confidence, and hopefully last Sunday night will help them do that. But yeah, for me, this game's going to be decided by whoever starts the contest better. And, uh, you know, down there at Mudgee, Manly, um, you know, in front of a a country rugby league uh, league crowd, they could get behind them, and I think that Last weekend will really help them find their confidence, find their groove back mainly. We know they can still be a premiership threat. We know they're definitely still finals contenders, but they need to play playing better footy than they have been. And, you know, Dez will have them ready to go come Saturday afternoon. Their forward pack needs to be better. Jake Arojevic has been an inspirational leader, but I need guys like Kepi, Martin, Depea, Alloway. I need these guys stepping up. And, um, you know, Bullimore's been put back to the bench this week. They've put... Uh, Andrew Davey into partner Olukawatu. These forwards need to really set a platform so Cherry Evans and Tommy can get involved in the game and 
Canberra aren't going to make it easy for him. But for me, the worry with Canberra is I don't think I've seen an 80-minute performance out of him so far this year. Definitely not last week. Um, that's for sure. It was 40 good minutes of footy. But against the Manly Seagull side that has strike all over the park and can score points so quickly, I don't know if a 40-minute performance is going to be good enough for me. I've got Manly in this game building some more confidence and starting to really build their season out in 2022. I've got Manly by 12 points. I think it's going to be a, a ripper of a game. But I just think Manly would be too strong in the end. And I think that Tom Sorovich, um, it was a sign last week that he's starting to get back to his best football. So don't be surprised if we see uh, Tommy Turbo destruction on Saturday night. And the final game of Super Saturday takes place at 7.35pm up there at Queensland Country Bank Stadium where the two from three North Queensland Cowboys host the Sydney Roosters, who were terrible last week against South Sydney. They got dominated by the arch rivals for 80 minutes, and it'll be interesting to see how they respond this week because the Cowboys, on the other hand, dominated the Brisbane Broncos. It was a uh, one of the best performances by the Cowboys we've seen in about five years. So uh, promising signs there. The young players really stood up, but the question is, can they do it consistently? I mean, the likes of Gilbert and Nanai, Tom Deard and Valentine Holmes, they were all outstanding last week. Tarbalolo played his best footy that he's played in a while as well. So they've got a lot of confidence. And he had confidence up there at, at North Queensland at the moment. And they've been really helped, as I've noticed, by their run of games so far to start the season. They haven't played outside of Queensland. And I think that's been a massive advantage for them. I predicted them to win the Wooden Spoon. But looking at their schedule ahead, they only played two out of ten games to start their year outside of Queensland. So I think that they're really enjoying, you know, the lack of travel and, and, and being near their families. I think we're seeing some good results coming out of that and them being familiar with their environment. So, um, you know, whatever's working there for Todd Payton at the moment because a lot of pundits, including myself, predicted them to be near, if not at the bottom of the ladder in 2022. And they've really been a surprise package. And I think that last Sunday afternoon was one of the performances that we've seen this season, one of the best performances we've seen against the Broncos teams that, you know, was undefeated at that point, but the Cowboys really took the sword to them early and, and didn't let their real, uh, you know, foot off the throat for the entirety of the game, so the Roosters are going to be in for a tough road trip this week, and I mean, they're not playing their best football, their half really haven't clicked and their forward pack have found themselves constantly being on the back foot, I mean guys like you know, Tubanul has been outstanding, but guys like Lindsay Collins and Hargraves aren't playing their best football at the moment. I don't think Victor Radley's having anywhere near of a uh, contribution and an impact on games as he did two to three years ago. And it's a worrying sign for the Roosters because a lot of people predicted them to this to be their season. I predicted them to win the Premiership, but it's been a slow start. I mean, Angus Crichton, another one that's not playing football, he's been you know relegated back to the bench this week. So something's just not working there at the Roosters at the moment. And Historically, they are slow starters to the season. I mean, in 2019, I think they were three out of six to start their season before they went on to win the Premiership. But, you know, in saying that, they've got to start building towards, you know, getting it right. Tedesco probably had his worst ever game for the Roosters last week, in my opinion. So, um, you know, that's not saying much because Tedesco is always great, um, even in a poor performance. But... You know, it's something needs there needs to be better. There needs to be more commitment to defence. Um, there needs to be their forwards really need to start winning the field position battle. And I don't know how Trent Robertson fixes it. He makes some changes because on paper they're a great team. There's some great players there. Um, there's still some guys playing really good. Tupanua and uh, Butcher both playing good. I mean Takiaho, sorry, and Butcher both playing really good football. Still Billy Smith being good at the backs there, and um, still Montroski, but. 
you know, they're, they're not playing great football. They need a confidence boost, and the Cowboys aren't going to make it easier for them up, in, up there in Townsville. If the Roosters are going to go up there with the mentality of, you know, we're the Roosters, we should be able to get over the top of the Cowboys pretty easily. They're going to be in for a big shock this week, and I don't think they will go up that mentality, but they've got to be careful not to underestimate this Cowboys team because they're playing a good brand of football. They're playing an exciting brand of football at the moment, and overall, they've only conceded, I believe it's, four tries in three games to start their season. They've conceded about 24 points this season. So that's an unbelievable start to the season defensively. And, you know, they're in they're a smoky for the top eight at the moment, the Cowboys. They're playing that good of football. It's only three rounds in, but if they can continue that momentum, they can cause some upsets in this competition. And one of them could be on Saturday night against the Roosters team that's down on luck and down on confidence. So... Um, I, I'm really torn about who to predict in this game, but I'm going to lean the way of the Roosters um, based on the respect factor and the star power that they have in their team. But really, this game is the Cowboys for the taking. They can really ambush the Roosters up there in Townsville on Saturday night. But I've got the Roosters by six surviving a, a team that's flying with confidence at the moment in the North Queensland Cowboys. Sunday afternoon football kicks off at 4.05pm down there at Amy Park when the Melbourne Storm hosts the Canterbury Bulldogs. Both of these teams coming off round three losses for the Storm. Well, it was a shock. I mean, they, they were in their game up to their eyeballs. It was a late comeback. They weren't playing great football. Managed to push the Parramatta Eels to goal, uh, golden point. And then Ray Stone, the hero, off the, uh, a field goal attempt that hit the crossbar, hit the post there and landed the Ray Stone who, who scored the match winner. But... Uh, overall, a disappointing start, I think, for Melbourne this season. They still won two out of their first three games, but wasn't a great performance against Seas, and they didn't really rally in that loss to Parramatta either. So I think Bellamy's going to be into them this week. They welcome back Harry Grant, who's going to be a huge in, um, considering how he dismantled the Rabbitohs in the first half of that contest a couple of weekends ago. Um, the Cheese, who came back prematurely, he's going to go back to the bench this week. Um, Josh King retains his starting lock position, but I think that... Bellamy's really going to be drilling them hard this week because they haven't been playing a great brand of football. Um, the Bulldogs, I mean, they should have won against Manly on Sunday night, but they they couldn't complete it. And that just comes with experience and experiences playing together as a team. They've got some talented individuals in that team. But overall, I mentioned it last week. I thought it could be a... Uh, there's going to be times this season where it gets really tough for the Bulldogs because they are a new team and they've got to really learn how to win again, this football club. And even with all their star signings, if they don't gel well together, then it's not going to work out. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be one of those things where it's a week-by-week week basis. And, and, and sometimes they're going to be, you know, really earning those spoils and, and, and being so happy with how they're playing and their fans are going to be happy. But some weeks they're going to get a, a shock to the system, a reality check, so to speak. And I think this week could be one of those weeks. I mean... Um, I know I said it last week, and the Bulldogs impressed me. Their forwards were good and really took it to Manly. Guys like Thompson and, and Paul Vaughan and Max King really stepped up. Josh Jackson was good as always, and Corey Waddell, an underrated workhorse for the Bulldogs. Um, but for me, they're not scoring enough points with the football. They're getting plenty of opportunities, but not really icing it um, when they need to. And defensively, um, they, they hang in tough, but once things can go wrong for the Bulldogs, they seem to go wrong quickly. And I think that the Storm are going to be fired up this week after two below-par performances, and I think they're really going to put the sword to this Bulldogs team, as I mentioned, who are still learning to win. They're still going to stay in the fight, the Bulldogs, but I just think the, the Storm are going to have way too much for them on this Sunday afternoon. I've got the Storm by 24, and I think that they're really going to make a statement to the rest of the competition in round four this weekend. 
And the final game of the round kicks off at 6.15 on Sunday afternoon when the Parramatta Eels host the St. George Dragons at Combank Stadium. These two teams have developed a little bit of a rivalry over the years. They've had some classic games, some classic encounters. And before we preview this game, I actually went back this fortnight to watch one of the old classics. And this is uh, our fortnightly classic game rewatch. It's back in 2006 when the Parramatta Eels hosted... Um, well, they, they traveled actually up to Congra, um, where the Dragons hosted them. And both of these teams were premiership contenders in 2006. Though, around these mid-2000s, they were both teams that had a history of making the finals, get, couldn't overcome that final hurdle to win the premierships. And in 2005 in particular, both premiership favorites, the top two, and it ended up being the Tigers versus the Cowboys in the grand final after both of those teams defeated them in the prelims. So uh, this game heading into it, there was a lot of excitement around it, two top teams. And when we traveled back in here, I remember watching this game live uh, in 2006 as a young 11-year-old. And it was one of the craziest games of football I've ever seen um, in terms of the scoreline. It was a wet night. It was a down night there at Cogra. Um, almost hurricane weather. And, you know, this game featured some, some blasts from the past when I rewatched it this week. For the Dragons, guys like Aaron Gorell, Clint Greenshields, um, guys that you know never really made it in the NRL, but I thought had really good individual seasons there. And it's interesting because Gorell was a really talented hooker, and uh, and Greenshield ran that ball back at fullback with some intensity. This was also during the period where the Dragons were playing Mark Gaznia at five eight, which we ultimately know didn't work. Yeah, they end up getting Jamie Seward, who led them to that premiership, and Gaznia went back to the to the centers after a stint in rugby union. But Bailey and, and Hornby really led the platform there for the Dragons. Hornby's kicking game was really good in this game, but in such bad conditions, neither team could really score points. Bailey was fantastic up there in the forwards for the Eels. Highmarsh uh, was absolutely outstanding. And just to show you how much work Nathan Highmarsh used to do, as the teams would come back for the first half, Ray Warren on commentary, him, Sterling, Gould did the commentary, and they did it great. They were in their prime back in 06 um, in terms of commentary duties at their best. Um, but Ray Warren said that Nathan Highmarsh in the first half, 27 tackles, 12 hit-ups. Some players uh, these days don't even get, and some players ever don't even get those stats in a full game, 27 tackles and 12 hit-ups. That is a, a big forward knock just in the first half. And Highmarsh continued in the second half. He was great. Daniel Wagon was really good for the Eels. Um, John Morris was, was playing 5-8 in this game, so the former Cronulla coach who's more known as the as a hooker. Um, Jared Hayne was a young kid. Brett Morris for the Dragons, and he's playing his third game in the wing. So it was an entertaining contest. It was in Dow weather. There wasn't really any points scored. There was none in the first half. It was nil all in the first half. Um, it was a really defensive Dow game. Um, so I wouldn't call it a classic game of football, so to speak. But then in the second half, I think if you guys want to re-watch this, go on YouTube. It's not in great quality, but the whole game's available there. That last 20 minutes, I mean, it was nil all. Uh, the Eels kick a field goal to go one nil up. I think it was John Morris to me and that kicked it. And then the Dragons tied uh, the game for a Ben Hornby field goal, and it just went over the crossbar. Two minutes left, the Dragons kick another one via Hornby. And then the Eels have one last opportunity to win the game. They packed the scrum. Um, the Eels player think that it wasn't correctly packed, but the ref calls play on. He passed it. The Eels try to kick it. Cooper ends up picking it up and scoring. Um, and it was just a really entertaining game to go back to. And it just showed you that both these teams had a, had great defense back in those days and, and really won games via defense, which we don't see too often in the game these days. And 
It was a good throwback game and, and, and really set the platform for this week for me. Uh, as I said, the Dragons were only a few years away from winning the Premiership. They already had a lot of the pieces there. Gazdier and Cooper, um, Hornby, you know, all these, all these, all this strike. Um, they just had to get it together and had to go to that next level. And it obviously came when Wayne Bennett came over to the club um, in 2009. But if we compare that to this weekend's game, well, Parramatta have had almost a premiership winning uh, well, contending, winning side for a few years, but they haven't been able to cross that final hurdle. And uh, it's it's kind of interesting to see the, the similarities between that Dragons team and the current Eels team. It's also a little bit depressing to see how much the Dragons have gone backwards uh, as a club since those days. So, um, But as I said, these teams, it, they had some more classic games. 2009, I mean, the final round, the Dragons, who were the minor premiers, destroyed Parramatta. And then the next week um, to start the finals... The uh, the Eels came back and and you know smashed the, the minor premiers under Jared Hayne and his influence there. So I mean it's a good blast in the past. That was my classic match this week. Now let's get to the match preview of the Eels and the Dragons to end round four. And as I said, to end the round six fifteen up there at Comeback Stadium, the Eels hosting the Dragons and the Eels. Well, what a win last weekend. I mean it was a classic game of football. Ray Stone's ultimately the hero. He does his ACL. Uh, but the Eels, two for three to start their season. The Dragons, on the other hand, very poor against the Sharks last week at Wynn Stadium. I, I was there live at that game, and Dragons just couldn't get anything going with the football in hand. They had plenty of opportunities, um, a lot of unforced error, a lot of scrappy football by them, and their attack was pretty poor throughout the 80 minutes, and they're going to have to improve that tenfold this week because... I said at the start of the year, and um, you know, round two against the Sharks, they couldn't get the job done, but, you know... I think there's something special at the waters there at Parramatta this season. I think they're on the brink of really going to that next level and potentially making the first their first grand final in 13 years um, and maybe even having a chance to win it. Um, I'm really rating them. I really like what I'm seeing. And I think that um, the forwards really stepped up last week, in particular Campbell Gillard, Papa Leahy, and Nathan Brown really led from example. And he makes a big difference when he's on song and it lets uh, guys like Moses and, and Guffo come in and play their natural games. And... The Dragons at the moment, they're really just lacking leadership. I mean, Ben Hunt is trying hard in the halves, but um, I said it last week, Sloan and Amone, it seems like it's a a week-by-week basis for them at the moment. They're gaining experience as first graders, but they're not fully there yet. Their forward pack really failed to step up against the Sharks' forward pack. You know, Braley, Finucane, Rudolph, Hemi, Nueli, Taylor Kai, they really just dominated the Dragons all across the park last weekend, and... You know, they were making 60 to 70 metres a set, and the Dragons were barely making 40 metres. So um, I think Embi did a, a good job for him at hooker, but overall, they're just lacking so much strike at the moment, the Dragons. I just don't see where their points are coming from, and we saw it last week. They were so disjointed with the footy in hand, and um, the Sharks pretty much had them covered for the majority of the contest. Um, I know that, you know, Griffin is such a defensive coach, but last week, they the signs weren't there either as well. So... For me, I'm worried about the Dragons and, and their long-term future this season. I mean, I, I had them finish 13th in my season preview, and, and they looked like, you know, after a good performance against the Panthers in round two, that they were going to be, you know, contending with every game. But last week, seeing them live really just took the confidence, any confidence they had against the Dragons season this year out. I mean, they, they were awful. And uh, they've got the Eels this week. They've got the the, uh, the Rabbitohs next week, and they've got the... Roosters coming up for Anzac Day in a couple of weeks as well. So 
I just think it could be a long couple months here for the Dragons. They need a win. They need one desperately um, in the next few rounds, but I don't think it's going to be this week. I think Parramatta are flying at the moment. Um, the fact that they're playing good football and we still haven't seen their best footy, they've still got a lot of room for improvement, says a lot about how far, how far Parramatta can travel this season. And I just think Parramatta are going to be too strong. I've got Parramatta by 30, um, and I think that they're on the brink. I think that... You know, usually in Parramatta's history, it's the games that they should win that they don't really show up for and, and, and teams can upset them. But I, I just got a feeling this season is going to be different for Parramatta. And for me, the Dragons, they need to do something to change the tide. They need to do it quickly because it all can't be Ben Hunt there for them. And their forwards going to have to have a huge performance to get over the likes of Campbell Gillard, uh, Paulo, Papalihi, Nathan Brown. I've got the Eels by 24 to end the round. All right, well, those are my tips for round four of the Telstra Premiership. As you can see, I think that teams are starting to hit form and we can start seeing a little bit more blowouts um, a month into this competition. But overall, if we recap the tips this week, I've got the West Tigers beating the Gold Coast Titans on Thursday night in a huge upset to start the round. The Friday night games, I've got Cronulla being too strong for the Knights. Penrith defeating Seahawks in the grand final rematch. Super Saturday, I've got the Broncos beating the Warriors. Mainly taking out the Canberra Raiders and the Roosters, uh, beating a, a Cowboys team that's definitely going to show up and going to make it really tough for them. On Sunday, I've got two flying years. We've got the Storm destroying the, the Canterbury Bulldogs, and I've got Parramatta being way too strong for the Dragons. Let's see how I go. I think I'm currently sitting at 17 out of 24 tips correct, which is a little bit of a tick over 70% strike rate this season. We'll see if we can improve it this year and hopefully get that first elusive perfect round but as we go over to my best bets this weekend I said at the start of the show just because I'm tipping the Tigers doesn't mean I want to put your life savings on it but they've got 10 and a half start I mean that start could be good at $1.90 so that is one of my best bets if you want a multi I'm, I reckon that uh, your safest bet is the Storm 13 plus into the Eels 13 plus and that gives you about I think it's about four four fifty. so uh, I like those bets a lot Let's move over to the Supercoach tr- Trades of the Week. and Supercoach Corner, uh, I think I'm currently ranked about 1,800th, um, I believe. So um, it's been a pretty good start for me. I got 1,236 in round three, and it was on the back of captaining Cam Murray, a late switch to him, which obviously proved fruitful for me as a South Sydney fan. I, I hoped we would have stepped up against the Roosters. We did, and it was, it was good to see, but... Um, my trades of the week are uh, a couple of players that I don't have that I think are flying for the Cronulla Sharks. Blake Braley is one of them. I think he's um, horribly underpriced, and I'm going to try to get him in my team in the next few weeks. I think he's still in the 400,000s, and he's got an average of about 70. So um, if you guys are looking for a, a mid-ranger that's really going to perform for you, I think Braley might be that pick. And my other pick is the player that everybody seems to be jumping on board with at the moment. That's Nico Hines. I think he's owned... I mean, well, 10,000 people have brought him in this week. He's already owned by 43,000, so he's going to be upwards to almost 50% of all Supercoach players owning him. I don't, but, man, the form and the confidence he's playing with, after seeing him live at Wollongong last week, I was very impressed, and I think he's going to continue this breakout season. My only quab would be about captaining this week because I think it's going to be a tougher match against the Newcastle Knights than, than some people realise. I think the Knights are really going to show up and make it hard for Cronulla. So I think he's absolutely a buy. I just don't know if I'd be putting the captaincy on him this week. But I hope all you struggling Supercoach players out there continue to, to improve your team this year. And don't worry, just because I'm ranked you know, in the top 2,000 
at the moment, uh, things can change very quickly in Supercoach. It's a long season, so we'll see if we can keep the momentum going for sure. I have Angus Triden this week, so I'm going to do my best to get rid of him as well. So, um, Thanks, everybody, anyway, for listening to the show this week. It's a shorter show this week. It's a later show this week. But uh, as I said, next week, we're going to probably have some guests on board. I hope you guys enjoy your football. Hope I can get my first perfect round of the season. And I'll see you next time on Steve's NRL Footy Tips. Enjoy your footy this weekend.